Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome, OT entrepreneurs, to episode 54 of the OT's Get Paid podcast. Today is a exploration of how we make decisions. I'm probably going to do a two-parter on this and as I always am transparent, admittedly, this is one of the episodes where I haven't done a ton of planning. This is one of the more personal episodes. It is more personal opinion. It is one where my notes are not as robust and I am turning on the microphone and I am sharing with you something that is on my mind that I think would benefit all of us. But let's back up. Decision-making. As entrepreneurs, many of us are also partners, parents to little people, or fluffy things, or scaly things, or family member, or beautiful and trusted friend. We have lots and lots of occupational roles. And decision-making becomes a really important issue when you're an entrepreneur. Because if you haven't noticed it now, being an entrepreneur and being a part of all of those rules, all of those rules require a lot of decision-making. And when you leave a more traditional job or graduate from school and go into any type of entrepreneurship, you will notice, if you haven't already, that you begin to make way more decisions that have a much bigger impact than when you were a clinician in a more regular role. And this is why I'm talking about this topic, because it is very important for us to shine the flashlight on decision-making. There are many different kinds of decision-making, and today I'm going to talk about one particular type. What we want to avoid is decision fatigue, which is described as how our decision-making gets worse 
as we make additional choices and our cognitive abilities get worn out. Last night, I was out with a friend and we sat on a patio and we were catching up over a glass of wine. Tell me that's not delightful for an entrepreneur and somebody who wears many occupational roles as single parent, sister, head of the household, etc. I turned to my friend when they, this was a wine bar and they were presented with a menu, one menu of wine and they handed it to me. And in that moment, I am now able to get in touch really quickly with the quantity of the decisions that I had made in that day versus the quality of the decision about which wine I wanted. And the old Trish would have never given up her power to a person sitting across and I would, I actually love wine. I would have wanted to look at the list and talk about the wine and different regions of wine, et cetera, et cetera. And last night, with the lens of decision fatigue, I said, why don't you make the decision? Because again, the quality of that decision was not going to affect the fact that it was a nice catch-up. And I also knew that the quantity of decisions that I had made that day and the quality that needed to come from those with parenting in particular and being an entrepreneur, this was a time where I could decrease my choices. So I have entered into a new daily habit to help with decision-making. And it is very personal and it might not be your cup of tea and that is fine. If you're not jonesing with it, you can just turn off this podcast. (laughs) And if it does jones with you, then consider this an opinion that can help be a gift. I think we all have our strengths when it comes to making decisions, whether you are more analytical or more intuitive. And again, if this was a different type of podcast, I would have done a lot of research into that. I didn't. I'm literally just turning on a microphone today. Another way of saying it is making decision with your head or your heart or both. And that's actually the shortcut that I've taught my children. I have always been very solid at both. And in fact, one of my friends this weekend said to me, I'm never sure which Trish I'm going to get. Am I going to get the like logical analytical Trish or the like intuitive feeling Trish? Both are great, she said. It's just interesting to see you go back and forth sometimes. Lately, I feel like I've lost some of those strengths. I've made reference in a past podcast that I'm having some health issues. And with that comes opportunity, opportunity to do things differently. The only way to change things is to change things. And I was recently inspired by the latest Glennon Doyle, Abby Wong back podcast, where Liz Gilbert was a guest over two episodes. Now, I'm going to have an aside here and say I have lots and lots of thoughts on Glennon Doyle, and some of them are good and some of them are not so good. Is she overexposed or am I a fangirl? Hmm. Discuss. However, the Liz Gilbert podcast was very eye-opening in part two, where Liz Gilbert was talking about what she calls a spiritual practice. And she says it helps greatly 
with what she considers her addictions, drugs, alcohol, codependency, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the lens I'm coming from here. I'm coming from hmm, a spiritual practice that's going to help me show up in the world in a different way, in a different time for me. Let me lean into that. So Liz Gilbert has suggested a two-way prayer practice. Although Liz Gilbert didn't reference it, this is actually based on an Western Christianity practice from early monastic times called Lectio Divina. And it is where the monks would use their Bible and scripture readings for meditation and prayer. And so in her kind of modern way, Liz Gilbert was talking about somewhat of the same thing. A two-way prayer practice between what she terms the God of her understanding. Now, before I go forward, I really do want you to understand that this is not just about prayer, and this is not just about God in any way, shape, or form. If you don't like the word spiritual, if you don't like the word God, if you don't like the word prayer, then don't use them. This is a little bit of history of where it came from. This is some of the words that Liz Gilbert used. These are some of the words I'm choosing to use. You use words that fit for you. I don't want you to throw out the baby with the bathwater if you're coming at this from an atheist or an agnostic perspective, because I think there's something in here. Additionally, you can just turn this off. I'm just sharing my opinion. So what Liz Gilbert explains is to immerse yourself into whatever is a sacred text for you. Two poets that she suggested that I actually have books on my shelf were Rumi and Mary Oliver. And you open those books and you let the words or the stanza or one word or a line speak to you. Now, as an aside, my sister was also visiting this week. And one really, I mean, my sister is like one of the coolest people in my whole life. People that know me have heard me speak of her very often. And as an aside, my sister, we were raised Catholic, decided a few years ago to follow a year and devote herself to the practices of Judaism. She is very curious about religion and cultures and decided for one year she was going to be a cultural Jew. Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley? As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my client started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. For that reason, when we were talking about this practice, her bias, her leaning was towards using the Old Testament. Additionally, when I was talking to my children about this this weekend, some of you also know my son is a musician, and he 
spoke about how he could use his music. Now, he's an EDM artist. He's a hip-hop guy. So there's a wide range of things available. Some of you know, as I've said in the intro, I'm a choral musician. I studied choral music even at Oxford. And I am convinced that part of my love for choral music is embedded in what I consider the divine. So that could even be sitting outside in nature as well and listening to the wind in the trees and birdsong and interpreting what you are reading or hearing or listening. So the answer then to the God of your understanding or to the universe is, what do you want me to learn? And then you write it down. Now, Liz Gilbert being an author and using more words than I use, (laughs) actually in this podcast episode, read the response that she got from the God of her understanding that day to, I think, a Walt Whitman passage. And it was, it could have been published right there. That does not happen to me. Sometimes I come up with one sentence. Sometimes I don't come up with anything much. Or sometimes I come up with a word. But the ability to begin to be in tune to the universe and to begin to try something new in the ability to help with any kind of decision-making. That what do you want me to learn from this? is the most open-ended question, and I have been very surprised by the answers that have come to me. After that, I set an intention. And my intention is very simple. And again, like, I'm just channeling Liz Gilbert here. I didn't, I didn't muck with her, <laughs> with her system yet. And the intention that I say is less Trish and more God, or more universe, or giving it up to those vibrating atoms in the world or energy or whatever works for you. And this intention has been incredibly helpful for me with making decisions. I believe, again, Liz Gilbert references Byron Katie, who said, I haven't made a decision in 20 years with this practice. Having challenges with my health recently has been a real tipping point, as it is for so many people. And Malcolm Gladwell, who defined tipping point, says in his book that the tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, a trend, or a social behavior crosses a threshold, and spreads like wildfire. Think of it this way, he says. It only takes one sick person to start an epidemic. My personal tipping point is into another round of what we talk about at this podcast with interviewers, interviewees is there's got to be a better way. And so that has been part of the magic moment for me. Now, in another episode, we're going to talk about the importance of how to make data-driven decisions. And I get this. I am not suggesting that you turn your back on data. This is another way. I have systems in place, and it is keeping my business up and running. It is keeping the wheels on the bus. I have a data, and I have the ability to track data, which is something we go into in depth in both the Road to 100K and the 100K Club. I know what really drives my business and what is essential at this time where I need to pull back. So I shared this with a lot of people, as you can tell, my sister and my kids, and I shared this with another friend in terms of giving up big decisions to the universe. Less Trish, more God. Again, I'm going to use the word God. 
have I said this too much? Am I tap dancing around this too much? I just want you guys to be able to lean into it and not feel offended in any way. Recognize I'm sitting in Studio C, people, in my little closet, just saying my little thing, okay? So I texted this to my friend. I actually sent her the episodes. And she's very head and heart driven in decision making. And she said, you know what, Trish? I love this. But I also stop at the point where I think God is actually going to take out my recycling. And this is the length that Liz Gilbert says to go or Byron Katie. Like, literally, I am giving you parenting my children. I'm giving you how I'm going to keep this company running while we're trying to figure out what's going on with my health. I'm giving you running of the house today, universe, because I can't. Less, Trish, more, God. And this is why my friend just cracked me up when she said, I liked this episode, but I do stop at the point where God is actually going to take out my recycling. (laughs) Okay, so guess what? When my sister came to visit this week because there was a high school graduation at our house and she wants to help me out right now with my health, the recycling got done. I didn't even think about it. She came to pitch in. And then she said, see, the universe actually did take out your recycling. So right now I choose to believe in that magic that Malcolm Gladwell spoke about in The Tipping Point. I choose to believe in the magic that the universe has my back, even now. And that, what if it all worked out? Again, there are decision-making matrices. There's data. There's all the things I teach in the road to 100K for those who are starting out and the 100K club for those who are growing and scaling. And today, I'm simply offering another way that are based on my current circumstance. By the way, do you want to know what the Harvard Business School says about making decisions with your gut? In the Harvard Business Review, on their own research, they said that anyone who thinks that intuition is a substitute for reason is indulging in risky delusion. This is a direct quote from the Harvard Business Review. In inherent biases. Those inherent biases confirm or deny our own assumptions and prejudices. And I get that. Your brain will always seek a pattern that makes sense of the data, which is why you need lots and lots and lots of data. You're still going to categorize it based on your old experiences, but when you get enough data, you're going to have more of an opportunity to move past those biases. And, you know, cavemen needed that. So if an animal comes across a caveman's family and eats them, that's danger. If a totally different kind of animal that they've never seen before comes across their path, they're going to think, hmm, danger, don't eat my family. A stat that the Harvard Business Review said was that fully 45% of the corporate executives that they surveyed now rely more on instinct than on facts and figures in running their businesses. They started to dig into the intuition stories. They started to dig into the fact that Using your intuition in a large setting of data and decision-making and entrepreneurship brought out two things. It brought out kind of a romance, which I've talked about. Listen, I just used the word magic, okay? It brought out kind of a romance and also this specialness that you, that leader has exceptional instinct. I mean, I felt called out. The end of this study, by the way, focuses on tech. Really, the conclusions they came from for this particular study was that these large-scale businesses needed tech to sort through mountains of data. 
I don't know many OT businesses, by the way, who have this amount of data that they absolutely require tech in order to make the best decision. So I don't think it's really relevant to the most of us, but it does shift us back to data, no doubt. And again, there will be another podcast for this. And that's where I really wanted to wind up. I wanted to be able to give you a current practice that is resonating with me, why I think looking at different options of making decisions is viable in our lives and in our businesses, some of the inherent problems that the research shows with that, and to say, in another episode, when I will be doing a bit more research, we'll talk about other ways of making decisions. For now, I hope you found this episode very helpful. If you have any questions or anything that you want to share, we are in the very, very popular and growing Facebook group, OTs Get Paid. I am in there. We are talking. We are answering questions. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. You can become an OT, get paid peep, and we can have a conversation about it. Until next time. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you had feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.